This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the first Sunday of Lent, the 18th of February. When I was very young, um, I can't remember whether it was me or my parents who thought that it would be a good idea if I learned a musical instrument. Either way, I began piano lessons and I had to fill in a little book each day so that the teacher knew how much practice I'd done. I did find it very boring repeating scales and arpeggios and it seemed years before I was actually given anything to play that had a tune that I could recognise or enjoy. Anyone who's ever learned a musical instrument, learned a language or trained for a sport knows that you have to keep on keeping on if you're going to succeed and become proficient in it. And you have to begin with the basics, the scales and arpeggios, how to decline verbs or hit a ball or whatever. Lent is exactly that training, going back to the basics again and training ourselves for the contest. The essence of Lent is to do more intensely what we should all be doing at all other times. Being people of prayer, doing works of mercy and service and practising self-denial. Pope St Leo the Great comments in a sermon for Lent that whilst we may not all be equal in terms of earthly gains, we can all be equal before God in these practices. So during Lent we're going to training, learning the basics of spiritual fitness, whether we're beginners or advanced, saints or sinners. Every year we come back to the basics, to preparation, where the fundamentals are once again rehearsed. And if we're honest, we know that most of life is spent diverting ourselves from the greatest questions. Who is God? Who am I? What's the point of my life? Where am I going? Towards heaven or away from it? But these are the most fundamental questions, often so overwhelming that we prefer to divert ourselves with all kinds of games. In Lent we go into the desert with Jesus for 40 days, because in the desert there are no distractions. There we can learn the basics again of how to pray, how to fast, how to give alms. But the devil always tries to divert us from this path. He did it when he appeared to Jesus at the end of his 40 days. And the devil will try by a thousand ways to divert us from what is good and what is ordered towards God. So it's good to confront this and ask, how does the devil tempt me? St Mark's account of Jesus in the wilderness is a rather understated account. But the other evangelists tell us the devil tempted him in three ways. To satisfy bodily desires, to seek honour and glory, and to wield power. So the devil starts off by saying to Jesus, command these stones turn into bread. He's starving after 40 days of fasting. I'm hungry after four hours. And those stones on the desert floor would have looked like tiny loaves of bread. So the first temptation is to focus our lives on material things and on the satisfaction of sensual desire. Thomas Merton said, bodily desires, good in themselves, are like little children because they're so insistent. They want what they want and when they want it, food, drink, pleasure, comfort, now, now, now. And like children, if they're indulged, they take over the whole house. 
The question here is the heart of our soul. There are lots of people who make life the satisfaction of these desires and who spend all of their time seeking pleasure. When we do that, we shut down our life and live in a very narrow space, which is precisely why Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. Food and drink and pleasure are good, but we don't live by them alone. The devil then led Jesus to the parapet of the temple and tempts him to throw himself down from the top. This is code for the pinnacle of society. Here the temptation is to glory, honour, being seen and admired by everybody. A lot of people don't care about sensual things, but they care about honour, about being seen, being admired, being at the very top of a society where everybody watches you. And this is the ego inflated to an impossible degree. St Thomas Aquinas says glory is just a flag of virtue. It says, look at what I'm doing. Look at this moral goodness. There's nothing wrong with honour in itself, but if we seek glory for its own sake, we're saying that I'm deliberately avoiding the virtue and going for the flag. So Jesus dismissed the devil saying, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The final temptation is to power. The devil took him higher up a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. It's a more refined area of temptation, not sensual pleasure or honour, but power. Power is one of the greatest motivating factors in all of human history. Alexander the Great, Caesar Augustus, Charlemagne, the Medicis, Henry VIII, Louis XIV, Napoleon, Hitler, just some of the people whose lives were dominated by the desire to wield power. But we're all tempted by it. Whatever little power we have, we like, we wield it. There are many people who have let go of sensual pleasure in order to grab power and keep hold of it. Tolkien told his great story about the tempting power of the ring. The temptation that dominates that story is the temptation to wield power. Tolkien saw this at work in the 20th century in all the moral outrages which bore the stigma of a lust for power. The devil says that he can give Jesus all this power because they all belong to him, because the devil, in one sense, has them all. The price we pay, if we make power the central focus of life, is the worship of the devil, which is to say the loss of our soul. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but suffers the loss of his soul? The spiritual life is all about surrendering to God's power, allowing God to dominate us. When we make our domination of others paramount, we've lost our soul and worshipped the devil. So Jesus dismissed the devil, saying, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Sensual power honour and power, the three big temptations we face. And the antidote is prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Forty days now separate us from Easter, this earnest time given so that we may attend to our conversion with greater commitment by listening to the word of God through prayer and penance and a more generous love of neighbour 
we have a spiritual journey that prepares us to relive the Easter mystery. May Mary guide us in the Lenten pilgrimage, leading us to another deeper knowledge of Christ and help us in the spiritual warfare against sin as we constantly plead, convert us, turn us back to you, God our Saviour. Let us pray. Grant Almighty God that through the yearly observance of Holy Lent that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ and by worthy conduct pursue their effects. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.